welcome as we come to worship God this morning. This is our English service and our Afrikaans service is online, which we've already sent out today. Let us just come and, and be quiet. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your provision. And thank you, Lord, that we have victory because of your power. And right now, Lord, we just want to come and totally surrender to you. We call you Majesty, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Amen. And as we continue to worship, let us listen to the song Majesty.
As we come to worship, we have welcomed God's presence, but we also welcome our visitors today, and hopefully we will see you again. It's wonderful to have you with us today. God calls us. Lord of hosts, enthroned upon the cherubim, give ear to us, restore and save us. Give ear to us, restore and save us. Lord God of hosts, let your face shine. Give ear to us, restore and save us. Almighty God, who faithfully led Joseph as a flock, forgive us that we easily we stray from you, that we anger you by our sin and restlessness, that we fail to be credible witnesses to you. Only you can save us, and we humbly cry to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The Lord, who is our Father and our Potter, he forgives our sins, and he gives us the opportunity to come as clay and for him to form us and remold us. Our sins are forgiven in Christ. The peace of Christ be with you. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Isaiah 64, and this scripture reading is about Isaiah crying out to God to do something in a time where they were struggling. And a little bit about the history of the book. Isaiah spoke for the Lord to the people of Judah, which is down in the south, and Isaiah was the prophet there. The ten northern kingdoms who were ruled by Assyria were in the north, and they were coming to destroy the south. So Isaiah spoke for the Lord to the people of Judah during the reigns of four kings of Judah. And over this period of about 40 years, the Assyrian Empire was expanding. Nations joined together to fight Assyria, but Assyria finally conquered Israel and most other nearby countries. Thousands of people were led away as prisoners, and although the kingdom of Judah wasn't completely conquered, it had to pay heavy taxes. And the messages in the book of Isaiah can be divided into three parts. And it is the first part up to chapter 39 is so focused on the holiness of God. We remember in Isaiah 6 where the Lord said, Who can I send? And Isaiah said, Woe unto me, but send me. He was so aware of God's holiness. As a holy king, the Lord was angry about evil in Judah. Government officials were corrupt. Violence and injustice were everywhere. The Lord said he was going to make Assyria and Babylonia punish the people of Judah and other nations, but the Lord offered his people hope for the future. If they turned back to him and trusted him to protect their nation. 
And then in the second part, the Lord speaks to the people who who took the punishment, those who were worshipping other idols, those who were not obedient to what God called them to do. But the Lord wanted them to understand that idols have no power and that he is a holy and a personal God and they can know him personally and that he alone is the true God. And if the people of Israel turned back to him, then he would rescue them from Babylonia and the other nations where they had been scattered. They would return to their own land and he would bless them and make them prosperous. The Lord was able to make this tremendous promise to his people because he created and rules the entire earth. And then the third part of Isaiah, and that is where our scripture is fitting in today. The Lord promises an especially bright future for those who are faithful to him. And in this scripture, in this portion from chapter 56 to the end of chapter 66, people from all nations are included, not just the people of Judah. These promises are like windows that allow a glimpse into a future time when the Lord will create a new world full of joy and free from suffering. And there's that very well-known scripture in Isaiah 65, verse 17. I am creating new heavens and a new earth. Everything of the past will be forgotten. Celebrate and be glad forever. I am creating a Jerusalem full of happy people. I will celebrate with Jerusalem and all its people. There will be no more crying or sorrow in that city. And so now let us go to Isaiah 64. And Isaiah 64 is in the circumstances that we have now heard about and they are in battle. They are trying to keep the two tribes still to themselves. They are fighting the um, Assyrians, and part of the south was already conquered by Assyria. But Isaiah is crying out to God, firstly for God's presence and for God to change the situation. So we read, Oh, rip the heavens apart. Come down, Lord, make the mountains tremble. Be a spark that starts a fire causing water to boil. Then your enemies will know who you are. All the nations will tremble because you are nearby. Your fearsome deeds have completely amazed us. Even the mountains shake when you come down. You are the only God ever seen or heard of who works miracles for his followers. You help all who gladly obey and do what you want, but sin makes you angry. Only by your help can we ever be saved. We are unfit to worship you. Each of our good deeds in merely a filthy rag, we dry up like leaves. Our sins are storm winds sweeping us away. No one worships in your name or remains faithful. You have turned your back on us 
and let our sins melt us away. You, Lord, our Father, we are nothing but clay, but you are the potter who molded us. Don't be so furious or keep our sins in your thoughts forever. Remember that all of us are your people. I wonder if how many of us have thought about when Moses met with God face to face and what that must have felt like. I wonder if there are some of us who have such a desire, longing for God's presence, that we would put everything aside so that we could meet with God face to face. And here Isaiah, who clearly hears from the Lord and speaks the words to the people, he is now crying out. He's saying, Lord, tear open the heavens and come down and do something to change this. The thing about Isaiah is he's not only praying his personal prayers about, please, Lord, help me not to perish when you come down in your presence. But he's crying out for the sake of God's holiness and for the sake of God saying that he is the one that can save the people from their sin. When we realize the longing for God's presence like Isaiah is doing here in this prayer, it's not just a prayer that is just said um, with mere words. It is a deep felt lament crying out to God to save his people. Have we come to that point where we want to cry out to God for our family members who do not know him, for our friends who have turned their back on God? Are we crying out for the nation, for the things that we know that are not right? Are we crying out to God for our own sinfulness? Because this is what Isaiah is doing in this prayer. But as Isaiah is praying, we already have the full gospel and revelation in Jesus Christ. Because when we turn to Matthew 1 verse 22, we read the following. So the Lord's promise came true just as the prophet had said in Isaiah 9, For unto us a son is born. A virgin will have a baby boy, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah is crying out for the Lord to open the heavens, for him to actually come down. And here Isaiah's prayer is answered by Christ coming as a baby. 
And the word clearly says that God fulfilled his promise. In John 1, we read that in the beginning was the one who is called the word, and the word was with God and was truly God. From the very beginning, beginning, the word was with God. And with this word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the word. Everything that was created received its life from him, and his life gave light to everyone. The light keeps shining in the dark, and darkness has never put it out. And it is at this stage that I'm going to light. We are celebrating the first Advent today. I'm going to ask Alta to come and light a candle for us and then also just to switch the light on. This is symbolic for Jesus Christ as the light in the darkness. And you, my friend, each and every one of us have this Christ light within us. And so as we walk out here and even sit here, we are the light in the darkness. We are the ones that bring hope for those who, who do not hope, have hope in, the, in this time. So firstly, we, we see in Isaiah that we need to long for God's presence. For even as Isaiah prophesied here in Matthew, the promise is fulfilled. That means that we look to the provision. And here in Isaiah, in this beautiful prayer of Isaiah 64, it speaks about the Father. You, Lord, are our Father. We are nothing but clay. But you are the potter who molded us. And then he says, don't be furious. So he's in very few scriptures in the Old Testament, we will hear the Lord being called Father. But here, when he calls God Father, it means that he is saying, we belong to you. So in a sense, he's reminding God, you are our Father, we are our, your children, we belong to you. And you are the potter and we are the clay. When we leave clay out, or even Play-Doh, it will um, get dry and it will crack and you can't really form something with that. And very often we become, because of many circumstances, because of many things, it's different for all of us, we become dry and cracked. To such an extent, maybe it's sin, maybe it's whatever, maybe it's people who influence us. Maybe it's because we are not in the Word. Maybe it's because we are not praying, we are not connected to God. But God can take that piece of clay and anoint, saturate it with the Holy Spirit to be formed again, to be transformed in what God wants us to be. 
but it goes further. We not only long for the presence, we not only look to the provision, but we also lean into the power. Let's go to Revelation 19. And this speaks about the second coming of Christ. It was the prophets, and then it was the provision in Jesus. That was the first coming, and now it's the second coming. Revelation 19, verse 11. I looked and saw that heaven was open, and a white horse was there. Its rider was called Faithful and True, and he is always fair with when he judges or goes to war. He had eyes like flames of fire, and he was wearing a lot of crowns. His name was written on him, but he was the only one who knew what the name meant. The rider wore a robe that was covered with blood, and he was known as the Word of God. He was followed by armies from heaven that rode on horses and were dressed in pure white linen. From his mouth a sharp sword went out to attack the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod and will show the fierce anger of God all-powerful by trampling on the grapes in the pit where wine is made. On the part of the robe that covered his thigh was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Are we looking at the second coming as if it is an event that we are the audience or are we looking for the second coming? That we are longing for Christ to fulfill this complete revelation of who he is. If we are not longing for and we are looking at, I believe God is wanting to draw us in, to lean into his power, to come to that point where we eagerly await his second coming. Because in the meantime, the Advent time is a time where we live in expectation of what is coming. So we are now in the meantime. The prophecy, Christ has been born, he's been sent to earth, he died, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and we are now in the meantime waiting for him to return. So the invitation for us is... Firstly, are we only praying for ourselves or are we praying for something greater than us? Something that we selfishly don't need, but we're praying for God's kingdom to come, for his will, his glory, without any restraint in our generation, whatever that might cost. We might be crying out to God and say, come Lord, just eradicate this pandemic right now. But are we eager to say, Lord, what are you saying to us? 
with regards to what we are going through. What do we need to do? Do we need to transform? Do we need to go back to the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isaiah prayed, O Lord, open the earth. Let us pray that our passion would be that we come to that point where we eagerly await the second coming and where we are compassionate about those who are suffering, our friends who are going through trials, people who have financial difficulties. And even if you are so blessed, may the prayer be that it will not distant you from hearing what God is saying to you and how he wants to lead you. May God revive us for his word to come alive within us again. Amen. As we listen to our next worship song, we're going to take up the offering. And for those who are listening online, you can also bring your offering online. And um, we will then afterwards close in prayer.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit helps us to connect the dots when it comes to your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit reveals your word to us completely. We thank you, Lord, that we can ask, we can cry out, we can be honest with you. And we ask, Lord, that as we bring this offering to you today, that you will bless it for the sake of your kingdom. That your name will be seen as holy, that you will be worshipped as the Holy One. That your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, we also, as we submit our lives to the word, to your power, to your provision, we ask, Lord, that you will be with us as we go out as the light into a dark world. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your strength. And fill us with your power, your courage, to be able to share the good news of, of the provision in Christ, especially now as we celebrate Christmas. And so, Lord, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.